Side Hustle Show 347, how one side hustler gets paid to breathe and how to set up your own paid experience. What's up? What's up? Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show because there are people out there looking for what you already know. Go find them. That's what Side Hustling Certified Meditation Instructor Michelle Maddox of Sedona, Arizona has done. Michelle has a higher education teaching background and works full-time in tech, but in her spare time, she runs SedonaMeditationExperiences.com, where she leads customers through guided meditation classes out in nature. I want to use Michelle's business to start a conversation about the experience economy and get you thinking about what type of in-person experience you could offer and how you might get people to sign up for it. For Michelle, most of her business today comes through the Airbnb Experiences platform. And we spent some time in this episode exploring what she's done to set herself up for success there. Airbnb experiences have been rolling out slowly since 2016, but have been incredibly popular. In fact, according to Michelle on hostyourexperience.com, they've grown 13 times faster than the lodging side of the Airbnb business did. Stick around in this episode to hear how Michelle found her first experience customers, what she's done to market and grow the business, and how you may be able to apply the same strategies to an experience of your own. Notes and links for this one, plus the full text summary with all of Michelle's top tips are at sidehustlenation.com slash Michelle. It's Michelle with one L. Now, whether you're helping people meditate or providing another type of service, you're going to need a reliable and professional way to get paid. One tool that helps me do just that is our sponsor, freshbooks.com. Freshbooks is the number one invoicing and accounting software designed specifically for side hustlers, freelancers, and consultants. Recommended by 97% of small business owners, this is the service I use when I need to invoice clients or advertisers, and I've been a customer for years. Side Hustle Show listeners can try it free for 30 days, no catch and no credit card required. Go to freshbooks.com slash side hustle and enter the Side Hustle Show in the How Did You Hear About Us section to get started today. We begin this conversation in Boulder, Colorado, with Michelle trying to figure out how to turn her newly earned meditation instructor certification into an extra income stream. As usual, I'll be back with my top takeaways from the call after the interview. Ready? Let's do it. So what I did was I reached out to yoga studios. It's a natural fit. A lot of yoga classes have some element of meditation and certainly mindfulness involved in them. And the studios have all the equipment, cushions and chairs and different things like that. So I made a long list of all the yoga studios and did an email campaign and heard back from a handful. And then from there, it was meet in person, check out the space and try to understand what their business model is. Yoga studios are very different. Some of them will just rent space to you. You can hold your event there, just rent space, but the marketing and everything is completely up to you. Okay, so they say, we don't have a class going on at this time. The space is available. Come on in. Right, right. But it's it's all up to you how to fill it and take the money and all the rest. Tell me about those emails. What was that email campaign? What was in the context of that initial outreach? Sure. So on a initial outreach like that, I try to keep it simple. Nobody wants to be overwhelmed with information when they don't even know who you are. I think it's a common mistake. I'm certainly guilty of it in the past from other things that I've taught, just trying to send a resume basically in an email message. 
So it was just, hey, my name's Michelle. I'm a certified meditation teacher. I see you've got these classes at your yoga studio. I'm thinking it might be an interesting fit for me to come in and teach meditation at your studio. What do you think? Okay, leaving open-ended, putting the ball in their court and seeing what kind of response comes back. Mm -hmm. Yeah, keeping it friendly, conversational, just like a cocktail party. Hey, here's who I am. Who are you? Do you want to talk? Yeah. Tell me about some of those people who said, yes, that sounds interesting. If you have a particular story that you remember or a deal that ended up coming from that. Sure. Well, out of the ones that responded, there were a few that just didn't work out. Their business model really didn't feel like it was going to help me. Or some of the studios had more of, I don't know, they maybe followed a particular spiritual practice. It was a little too heavy in dogma, honestly, and I didn't really want to be associated with that. So the ones that did work out for me, you know, of course, were entrepreneurial. You, you find a lot of entrepreneurial types in these yoga studios. And I think the easiest, there was a, a studio there in Boulder and they rented space, but they also put me on their schedule and they marketed to their people through email and their website. And they basically gave me the keys and said, here, the studio's yours on these nights at these times. Go for it. So it was a real trusting kind of relationship. It worked out really well. Well, that was cool. They promoted it to their audience for you. They did. Uh-huh. What was the deal structure in that case. So it's like, hey, we're going to provide, we're going to market to our people. Did you pay them a flat fee? Did you pay them a percentage of the sales that came through? How did it work? Yeah. In the particular case that I mentioned, it was a flat rate. So I rented the space from them, but part of their renting the space, they wouldn't rent to just anyone. You know, They wanted it to be a program that was in line with what they're all about. And they felt that my meditation course was that. And then once we went into a relationship, part of that was they would market and they allowed me to post on their website a little blurb with a link to my own website where people could register and sign up, which was my responsibility. It was about as easy as it could be for me at that time. Were you stressed out about filling enough spaces or selling enough spots to cover the cover the rental fee? Oh my gosh, totally. It's always the, the case in those situations. And I was new, right? I didn't know anybody in Boulder. So I didn't have a list of my own. It was really just going on what marketing I could do and what they were helping me with. So yeah, I was totally stressed out. But I did, I turned a little profit on that first class. And these were set up as one-time kind of guided meditations? No, this one was like a month long, once a week maybe 90 minutes. I think that's how it had it set up. So more of a class, kind of a full introduction to meditation with time to explore different techniques. Okay. So you're processing payments. The studio is collecting their flat fee for the venue, for the space, and then students come and they're happy. And it's like, okay, now you have a testimonial under your belt and you can lather, rinse, and repeat. Exactly. And this is all on the side from the teaching jobs, from the GIS work. Yep, this was all evening and weekend work. Totally. No, this is cool because you're kind of getting my gears spinning and I'm you know, a member of a yoga studio here in, in Livermore. And it's the same thing. They're always pitching these different workshops. So come learn about, I can't even pronounce this stuff because I haven't, <laughs> I have a very specific time that I'm, I can go because of the, the kids and other obligations. But they sound interesting. Now I'm curious talking to you like, oh, I wonder if this is like a third party business and they have it set up in this such a way. 
So there's a lot of manual outreach. You're kind of proactively approaching the studios, but this is a really cool kind of strategic partnership. Hey, they're already doing business with my target customers. Here's an interesting way to get in front of them. The marketplace model, the Airbnb experience model says now all of a sudden customers are coming to me. I guess it's similar, but on a much bigger scale. So tell me about getting started on that platform or if there was anything else in between. Yeah, there were a few things in between. I'll just briefly summarize. When I came back to Sedona, I really kind of had decided I don't want to mess around with yoga studios for various reasons. It just didn't feel like a real growth path. So I looked at resorts. We have a lot of resorts here that have spas and different activities. And I had a few things going, but again, it was just not really satisfying. It was good for me to get my feet wet and get in front of people and practice what I do, but not really a way to build a business. So when Airbnb experiences came on, I jumped right on it and I really had no idea. It was new and I didn't know if it was going to work or not, what the deal was. So I just got an idea. It came to me. Honestly, it just sort of popped into my head and I pitched it to Airbnb. They're like, sure, that sounds great. Next thing I know, I'm hosting experiences and seeing that, heck yeah, this thing works and I don't have to make a deal with anyone. It's just all me. I don't really even have to rent space. I'm doing these outdoors. You know, if the weather's bad, then yeah, I do rent space, but that's the exception rather than the rule. So it's just totally puts it all in my court. I don't have to work with anyone or answer to anyone. It's just me driving this sucker. What was that application process like and has that changed over time? It has definitely changed. Yeah, the program has evolved. It continues to evolve rapidly. So the process for me was much more streamlined than what it is now, but that's not to say that it's complicated now. It's just a little more involved. It was really just going onto Airbnb's experience page and pitching the idea. What's the title of your experience? How long is it going to last? Give us a little summary. What category of experience does it fall under? Mine is wellness. They want you to post some pictures. They don't want stock photos. They prefer to have pictures of you doing your thing, which can be a little tricky when you haven't done it yet outdoors. You know, you right, right. It's the total chicken versus the egg thing. Yeah. So you got to be a little tricky about that. So what did you end up doing for that? Did you use pictures from like your previous classes or what did you do? I got together some people that I have meditated with and we just did a little photo shoot outside that would look exactly like my experiences look. Okay, that's true. You got to consider that. Like, if people show up, they're going to be like, hey, that doesn't look like the, what we saw in the picture. Right. Yeah. And people do get upset about that. So, you want it to describe your experience and show it exactly like it's going to be. That's like every Airbnb I've ever been in. It's like, oh, you were very generous with the fisheye lens and making this place look bigger than it was. <laughs> exactly. If you travel a lot for work or for vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time and you're still paying for that privilege. But hosting on Airbnb means you don't have to leave your home sitting empty when you're away. Being an Airbnb host isn't just a way to earn some extra cash. It's a chance to share your space and make a guest's vacation all the more memorable. You might be thinking, eh, maybe my place isn't the right fit, but don't write it off just yet. Your potential Airbnb might be right in front of you. Whether it's a spare room or even your entire home, there's an opportunity waiting. 
Airbnb turns your home into a practical and even profitable venture. We just got back from a family trip to Hawaii where we stayed in a great Airbnb, but our place back home could have been a highlight to somebody else's travels, and we could have used the extra cash to help pay for the trip. So if you're curious about hosting on Airbnb, find out how much your space could be worth by visiting airbnb.com slash host. Once again, that's airbnb.com slash host. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over 3.5 million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. So they approve you. So now all of a sudden, they're exposing you to this audience of visitors who are coming to Sedona and say, hey, while you're in town, you might want to check out Michelle's meditation experience. Was it right away you started seeing bookings? It was. It was right away. It kind of surprised me because it was about a year ago that they opened these up in Sedona. They started in August. And August in Arizona, that's like Siberia in the winter. You know, who wants to go there then? So I didn't really think anybody would want to sit outside and meditate, but I had bookings right away. As soon as I started scheduling some experiences, I had bookings like that weekend. My first experience had five people. And then from there, it was just kind of like as often as I would schedule them. At that time, I was just doing them two or three times a week. I would have people. So it was it took off right away. Wow, that's awesome. And I was going to ask about that schedule slash availability. So you don't have it as like, hey, every day at 1.30, I'm going out to do this. Come and join me, rain or shine. It's like, no, this is only available on the days that I pick, the times that I pick, just for your own sanity. Have you ever had the case of like, I had this on the calendar, but only one person signed up or two? Like, is there a minimum that you say to make this happen? Unfortunately, there's not. And I say unfortunately, because it does happen that there's only one person. And Airbnb does not look favorably on you canceling for any reason other than weather. Like that's the only valid reason. It depends on the tour season here. We have a high season and a low season. It kind of goes up and down throughout the year. During the high season, I'm doing like mostly capacity experiences. And for me, that's eight or 10. I have three different experiences. and I'm, I'm experimenting with seeing what the maximum is like. And the minimum, I often have, I do one. Like this time of the year, I've done a lot of onesies and twosies. Okay, yeah, middle of summer, so you guys are going out sweating <laughs> sweating on the rocks. Exactly. So if you had to average out an hourly rate from it, what would your estimate be? 
I would say, like, as an average, my average number of people that I work with would probably be four. And I do these anywhere from, like, one to nine times a week. So I can't do the math in my head quickly enough to give you an hourly, but it definitely makes it worth my while. But during the high season, this is like a daily thing. Yes, it's a daily thing. Okay, that's awesome. And I'm just looking at the primary experience, the original experience that you have posted up here, 120-something reviews, five stars or 4.9 stars, priced at $49. So you can start to do some math. This has added up to a pretty serious income stream here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would say about a third of the people leave reviews. So it's it's not everybody that leaves reviews. It's not everybody that can leave reviews. And of the ones that can, not everybody does. So keep that in mind too. So yeah, it's definitely worth my while. By that you mean, okay, one person might book a group of four to come out with you. And so like they would be the, the person of record on the review account. Exactly. And if, if those co-guests of the registered guests have Airbnb logins, then they can leave a review. But if they don't, you know, if they don't have an Airbnb login, they do not get to leave a review. Have you been at that $49 price point the whole time? You know what? I have. I have. It was just, honestly, like this all just kind of came to me intuitively. I'm going to do it this way. I'm going to charge that much. And this is how it's going to be. And bam, it worked. For me, that works. But now, you said in your area, there's only one experience. And it's that way still. There's some areas that are just really overflowing with experiences and some where people are like, what? Airbnb experiences, huh? So Sedona happens to be an area where they're catching on very quickly. And if I were advising somebody who's just starting from scratch now, I would say start it at a lower price point and build up some street cred. Get your reviews, prove why you can charge more but don't just come right out of the the cage with a high price. Okay. Now I'm thinking of like, should I do like the Livermore microbrewery tour bus or something? It would be be a fun one for me uh, because it's kind of like known for being wine country. It's like the poor man's Napa in the Bay Area suburbs. So it's like, could we zag a little bit and say like, okay, let's do beer tasting. And now, okay, I'm thinking this might be an interesting thing to throw out there and, and see what happens. From the price that you set, does Airbnb take a fee out of that or do they tack a fee on top of it for purchasers? No, they take 20%. So they don't tack anything on. They do tack on for the vacation rentals. So people that have used Airbnb vacation rentals are always surprised at like, wait a minute, the price said it was this much. Why does it cost that much? With experiences, the the price that is posted is the price that the guest pays And then Airbnb takes 20% of that out and then pays me the 80%. Okay. Have you ever run into the situation where you're hosting these by yourself, you're kind of going out into nature, like you've ever been uncomfortable position or like felt unsafe? No, not at all. I don't go out deep into the wilderness. You know, mine is not a hiking expedition. We go to a place where we are very likely to see other people. So I don't have that concern. And 
even if we were out of nature, I'm just thinking of the different characters that I've had in my experiences. I don't think I have ever once felt uncomfortable. I'm glad you say that. And I'm just curious for a lot of reasons, but it's like, well, there's, there's some self-selection that is going on. Like people traveling to Sedona, kind of like a a wellness hotspot and then proactively booking a meditation experience. A meditation experience, right? I, I tend to not get the nasties. <laughs> so. How far out are people booking these? Are you like similar to renting the yoga studio space? You're like, I am stressing out. I'm not going to fill out my spot for Saturday. Or is it once they book the house rental, like they are kind of like doing the experiences at the same time? Yeah. So people book in all different kind of ways. So one thing to keep in mind is there's nothing for them to book until you start scheduling your experiences. So if I don't have anything scheduled, Airbnb is not going to market it. It's not going to show up to the guests. If I have one experience scheduled for this weekend and Airbnb knows who's in Sedona this weekend, they will market it to those people. If I have experiences scheduled for October, let's say, which is a really busy season here, and people are already starting to make their travel plans for October, as they're making their travel plans, they'll see, oh, there's experiences scheduled. So because I have put those experiences on my schedule, people who are planning to come at that time will be presented with that as an option. But if I don't do it ahead of time, they're not going to see that. They might see it once they get in town. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, does that make sense? So Yeah, so it's, it's on you to kind of open up your calendar as far out in advance as you're comfortable with. Right, right. So if there's nothing for Airbnb to show people, they're not going to. They won't just say, hey, here's the idea of an experience. They want to say, hey, here's an experience you can book. It's scheduled. It's ready for you to go. Okay. And in this case, you're going outside, so you don't have any venue deposits to lose necessarily. It's just, it's just your time if one person shows up. Exactly. That's part of the beauty of what I'm doing here. In the winter, it got pretty chilly. We had a very busy winter. So I had a lot of meditation experiences in December and January. And we had an exceptionally cold winter with a lot of snow. So then I did have to rent space. But because Sedona is a tourist town, we have places that make that very easy. And you don't have to book it ahead of time. So provided they're open, and most of the times they are, they have space, I can book it that same day. Okay. People are generally understanding, like, I don't, want, I don't want to go out and sit around in the snow for an hour and a half. You know, it's crazy. It's really crazy. Like, to me, are you crazy? We're not going to sit out in, in the ice cold and meditate. Like, why would we do that? And they're like, oh, but we want to be outside. I'm like, well, we can move it inside. The energy is still the same inside as it is outside. And they're like, oh, I think I'd rather cancel if we're going to move it inside. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. I can't please everybody. Not everybody, right? A lot of people are like, oh no, that's cool. We'll do it inside. But I was really surprised at how many hardcore people wanted to meet outside when it was like 30 degrees out. You never know. You never know. Uh, maybe that's another experience, the, the snow meditation experience, or for people who live in the mountains, there's, there's an idea for you too. To that note on customer expectations, customer satisfaction, are you doing anything proactive to collect the positive reviews that you have? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So with Airbnb experiences, getting five-star reviews is the name of the game, especially when your experience is young and you're, you're trying to build that street cred. 
So yeah, I had a little spiel that I would say to my guests. I don't always do it now because I've got a nice amount of reviews. Now I just do a more general, hey, you know, if you had a good experience, I'd appreciate a five-star review. But back then I made an effort to try to educate people about how Airbnb thinks of these experience reviews. It's a little bit tricky. What you see from the side of the host is not what the guest sees. So when the guest gets their review, when they're going through an Airbnb review of my experience, they're going to see like three stars was good, five stars was outstanding. You know, I don't know if those are the exact words, but that's the idea that it conveys. And a lot of people are, they're reserved when it comes to giving five stars, if five stars means it was exceptional. Whereas three stars, oh, it's good. Yeah, it was good. But from Airbnb's perspective, when they look at you as a host and they're looking at what kind of reviews you're getting, if they see a three-star review, they're going to send you an email saying, hey, we saw that you got kind of a bad review. Here's some things you can do to improve that. I'm like, are you kidding me? It was like a three-star review is bad. So five stars is the name of the game and educating people about that in a diplomatic way, I found was really important. That makes total sense. And especially being such a personal experience, like somebody's going to spend 90 minutes with you and it would be personally awkward to like leave a one star. <laughs> like, come on, we just had this nice experience. What's happening? So you mentioned we're not going on hikes deep into the wilderness. Have you had to do anything from a like liability or insurance standpoint just to protect yourself? Airbnb provides the same type of liability coverage that they do for vacation rental hosts, which they call it their million-dollar policy. So they do have you covered for any kind of injury or anything that might happen. With a few exceptions, you know, I would encourage anybody to go and read Airbnb's policies and make sure that what they're doing is covered. Because some things maybe aren't. If you're dealing with aircraft and stuff like that, you might be surprised. But Airbnb does have a, a really great policy. And then I happen to carry my own insurance for my meditation business because I have worked with a lot of studios and other places that require that. So I have that anyway. I would encourage everybody to do that because my annual premium is less than $500. So now you've expanded your Airbnb experience listings with a couple new experiences. Can you tell me about those and the strategy behind that? Sure. So the strategy behind it was to diversify. I wanted to do more meditation. And one thing that I will say about offering these Airbnb experiences, the same one over and over and over, because guests read reviews and they want it to be like what it is described as, it can be a little repetitious offering the same thing every day. And as a meditation teacher, you know, I like to do different types of meditations and take people to different places in meditation. So I wanted to diversify and focus on different types of meditations. I, I have a loving kindness meditation experience as well as a chakra balancing meditation experience. Okay, which is as much for the guests as it is for you not to be having to do the exact same thing every day. 
Yeah, and honestly, it's uh, just kind of seeing what works. I was curious to see, does this work as well as the original? What's going on here? I kind of wanted to play with the format a little bit and see. And I have some other ideas of things I'd like to explore. Maybe not so much diversifying, but really offering something still meditation and mindfulness-based, but just a totally different kind of format to see how that sticks. And I'll tell you, I think one of the things that's going on with my original experience, it's it caters to the Sedona energy. It's called Meditate in the Sedona Vortex Energy. And if anybody knows about Sedona, you've probably heard of the Vortex Energy. And it's what we call just the special energy that's here that makes people want to do things like meditate and explore their spirituality. And so I think that successful experiences really speak to the place, the sense of the place. They're not just something to do that you could do anywhere. It's something that you're doing because you want to get into and understand and really vibe with the place that you're visiting. Yeah, I think you've done an excellent job of that, and it shows in, in the reviews. Have you done anything else? So, the okay, I'm going to diversify on Airbnb, but I still have a lot of eggs in this basket. It sounds like that's driving the vast majority of the business today. Have you syndicated these experiences to TripAdvisor or Viable or like any of these other kind of like travel marketplaces? I have, yeah. I'm on a couple of Facebook groups for experience hosts and we share a lot of ideas and Airbnb is is awesome. It's great, but it's a little tricky to have all your eggs in one basket like that because a small change to how they do business can be a huge change to the number of clients you're seeing and what that's going to do for your business. So yeah, I tried out TripAdvisor and Eventbrite were the two that I tried, and I didn't get any traction with them. I I tried basically doing the same thing, taking my experiences that are very successful in Airbnb and offering them on those platforms, and nothing, flat rock falling into the pond. Why do you think that is? With TripAdvisor, I saw that there it was a pretty well-worn path. There were hundreds of listings for things to do in my town. And I don't really use TripAdvisor myself when I'm planning what to do when I travel. So it's not something that, that I really look at and have a feel for. But it's definitely well-worn territory. And I think Airbnb's power is they're bringing people to your town, and they know when they're there or when they're planning to be there. It's kind of hard to market to a moving audience like that if you're using any of these other platforms, even Facebook. Facebook will grab the the keywords and location, but they don't know where people are and when, or at least they can't share that with you. So Airbnb is powerful that way. Now, I have seen other experience hosts be successful with some of these other platforms. And I don't know if it's geography. Maybe certain things are more popular and certain platforms are used in in certain geographic locations than others. Or maybe it's the type of experience, like a pub crawl versus a meditation. Maybe TripAdvisor people are more likely to go for a pub crawl. The one example that comes to mind was a friend of mine, Alex Kennan, who was on the podcast several years ago, was hosting urban hiking tours in San Francisco. And it was similar, like kind of like doing this discounted hiking tour experience at the onset. Hey, thank you so much for joining me. 
if you had a great time, I would love if you could leave a TripAdvisor review. And it was just kind of like that early critical mass of five-star reviews to try to build up some exposure there that seemed to help her business. And I know she's involved with Airbnb experiences as well. It's an interesting thing. And I'm curious about this because I see on SedonaMeditationExperiences.com, at least at press time, the book your spot or, you know, reserve a, reserve a spot button links you back to Airbnb. So it's like, I, I'm happy to pay that 20% fee, even if people are coming to me directly, just to not have to deal with the payment processing or the calendar management or anything like that. Right. I mean, it kind of is worth it to me right now. And honestly, once I got on board with this whole experience economy, I did change my business name. So the Sedona Meditation Experiences is my, my new name. As of a couple of months ago, before that, it was Pro Meditate. And I'm getting a lot more traffic to my website and starting to explore Google My Business using the power of Google Search, which is a pretty popular way for people to, to find meditation in Sedona. That's a path that I feel like is, is going to lead me somewhere. So I am looking to diversify outside of Airbnb not let go of it because it's been good to me and I love it and it works great, but just to really build a business that I feel more in control of. I feel like having my website and, and Google my business and kind of grow in that direction is is right for me. Yeah, absolutely. And Sedona Meditation Experience is perfect keyword dense URL. It's like, hey, this is exactly what I'm looking for. Let me click on this. It's really cool to see what you've built over there. Do you ever see this expanding beyond yourself in hiring subcontractor meditation instructors, or is it like, it's always got to be Michelle? Oh, no. I mean, I'm not that much of a control freak, I don't think. (laughs) Maybe. But (laughs) Airbnb is always trying to get me on the phone to to grow that way. They have a co-host program similar to they have, as they have for the vacation rentals. Some of your listeners might be familiar with that. As an Airbnb vacation rental host, if I'm going to go out of town or in my town of Sedona, there's just a lot of investment properties that are being used as Airbnbs, so the owners don't even live here. You can set up a co-host, somebody that's going to basically manage the business in whatever capacity you need in your stead. And they've got the same idea with the experiences. So you can designate a co-host and then figure out how you're going to be splitting the labor. So if I wanted to bring on board some other meditation teachers to go out and actually teach the experiences, lead the experiences, I could do that for sure. And I could also do it in other towns, branch out into other locations, other geographies where I am not located, but somebody that I trust to do this is. That's an option. And honestly, it's not an option that appeals to me personally. And I guess the biggest reason is because there's no, there's no real cost to joining Airbnb experiences. You know, it's not a big business cost. Anybody can do it. And if I'm going to take time to teach somebody all my tricks and get them all trained up to deliver my experience, what's going to stop them from just starting their own? There's absolutely nothing that's going to stop them from doing that. Oh, interesting. I never never even thought about that. <laughs> yeah, that just doesn't feel like the best use of my energy to grow in that way. But lots of different options, the subcontracting, the expanding to different experiences, different markets, finding traffic through Google, 
It's interesting. Like you definitely, if you've got a creative idea for an experience in your town, here's an interesting way to, to take advantage of it. So I encourage you to check out what Michelle is up to, SedonaMeditationExperiences.com to take a look at how she has things structured over there. And also HostYourExperience.com with some advanced training for aspiring Airbnb experience hosts. If you hit HostYourExperience.com slash free dash call, there's a free on-demand webinar for some more Airbnb experience hosting training. Figure out if it's the right business model for you. Michelle, thank you so much for joining me, enlightening me on this uh, new marketplace, this new business idea. And let's wrap this thing up with your number one tip for Side Hustle Nation. Yeah, my number one tip for Side Hustle Nation is to really adopt this experience mindset. It's really a whole new part of our economy that is becoming more and more popular. Goods and services don't cut it anymore. People want immersive experiences. And that's, I think, why Airbnb is being so so successful with their experience brand. Yeah, this is so true. I don't need more stuff cluttering up my closet, but if it can be a, a cool a lifetime memory experience, I'm all for it. Yeah, I'll share with you a quick story. You mentioned at the beginning of our conversation, being able to to basically hire a birthday party. And in the book, Experience Economy, they kind of outline how things have evolved, where people used to buy raw ingredients to bake a cake. And then along came Betty Crocker, who kind of pre-mixed all the ingredients into one easy-to-go cake mix. And then grocery stores said, well, you don't have to do that. You just tell us what you want to order. Come pick it up. We'll make it for you. And now in the experience economy, you can just hire a birthday party. (laughs) So they'll bring you the cake and bring the party to your door. So that whole concept of experiences is what this Airbnb experience thing is about. Yeah. Along those lines, like along the Betty Crocker cake mix line, I actually read this somewhere too, where they had like engineered it to the point where you didn't even need to crack the egg in there anymore. But they actually found that people, they didn't feel like they were actually baking unless they cracked that egg and stirred it all up. So they're like, okay, we'll add it back in. So it was an interesting take on the, well, that's, it's part of the baking experience. So very cool. Michelle, thanks again for joining me and we'll catch up with you soon. This edition of the Side Hustle Show is brought to you by FreshBooks.com, the cloud accounting solution that's recommended by 97% of small business owners. This is Rob Eng, the senior marketing manager for FreshBooks on their two primary types of users, who he calls the craftsperson and the builder. What we kind of call more of the craftsperson, uh, somebody who is a freelancer, who works on their own, and who has usually a subject matter expert in that field. So like a designer, a web developer, a consultant, or even a podcaster. And so what they're looking for is a way to simplify their life because their life is their work. And they're really passionate about their work. And they're trying to save time so they could focus more on what they love to do. And we know it's not necessarily accounting. The other one is more of that builder. So think about that agency or consultancy. And that person is looking for about scaling and for growth. They want to look at ways to increase productivity, understand where their business is going, how to scale it better. So we have features in there to help with collaboration uh, with your staff or contractors and helping give a really robust report so you understand how projects are running and how to be more efficient. 
Visit freshbooks.com slash side hustle to start your 30 day completely free trial today. That's freshbooks.com slash side hustle for bookkeeping bliss along with rockstar support. One of the toughest parts about starting and growing your business is figuring out how to build relationships. As you know, people are more likely to buy from and do business with people they know, like, and trust. But when it comes to networking, where do you start? And what if you're more introverted like me? What if you're more wallflower than social butterfly? Well, there's a recent episode of a great podcast called This is Small Business that walks you through how to figure this stuff out. The episode is called How Networking Can Help You Build and Grow Your Business. And inside, you'll learn practical tips on how to build business relationships that don't feel so transactional. A couple parts I liked in particular were how to break into those uh, tight little circles at networking events where you're kind of standing around awkwardly on the outside, and then what you should say in a follow-up email to somebody that you meet there. This is Small Business answers a ton of these questions that all entrepreneurs have, like how to use social media to grow your business, how to find your ideal price point, how to know when you're ready to launch your product, and tons more. So give it a follow. This is Small Business, an original podcast from Amazon, wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, my top three takeaways from this call with Michelle. Number one is to think low overhead. Some of the most successful experiences like Michelle's, like Alex's hiking tour business, don't require a lot of equipment or investment. That's one reason my Livermore microbrewery tour might not be the best to start because I want to get that 12-passenger van to drive people around. But of course, the lean startup way would be to put the tour up for sale. And if you get enough demand, just reserve a rental van for the day of. But I think Michelle's call to think of the experience economy, which is booming, and see what you could offer in that space was really powerful. And at $50 a customer, it doesn't take a huge demand to start to see some meaningful income from it. So that's takeaway number one, to think low overhead. Think, what kind of experience could I start for not a huge startup investment? Takeaway number two is to think about strategic partnerships. I loved how Michelle first started out by approaching local yoga studios. Who are my target customers already doing business with? How can I get in front of them in their natural habitat? Really powerful marketing strategy that can be applied to any number of different businesses. In my book editing side hustle, it was getting on the preferred vendor list of service providers for a popular self-publishing course. In my wife's photography business, it was setting up relationships with local wedding venues. Your service is a value add for them but you'll still probably need to be the one to initiate the conversation. But think about strategic partnerships. Takeaway number three is the balance between social proof and diversification. So here's what I mean by that. Early on in your business, you want to go all in on the platform or marketing channel or traffic source that's working. In Michelle's case, Airbnb experiences. Everything revolved around getting more social proof and reviews for her experiences on the site. But now that that traffic source is established, she can turn her attention elsewhere, marketing on her own site and other platforms, because you never know when an algorithm change or another update could wipe you out. If you're relying on one source of leads, that's risky. So I think a common theme in all of our buy buttons types of episodes where entrepreneurs use a particular marketplace or platform to kickstart their business is just that, recognizing it's a launching pad, not necessarily a forever solution or at least being aware that it's somebody else's sandbox and it can go away at any time. So strike that balance between social proof early on and then later diversification. Once again, notes and links for this episode, plus the full text summary with all of Michelle's top tips are at sidehustlenation.com slash Michelle. Again, Michelle with one L. 
That's it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen. And I'll catch you in the next edition of the Side Hustle Show. Hustle on. Is there a more dreaded question than what's for dinner? Meal planning and eating well to hit your nutrition goals doesn't have to be complicated. Our sponsor, Factor, makes it easy by sending delicious, ready-to-eat, chef-crafted, dietitian approved meals right to your door. Every week, you've got over 35 different menu options to choose from, including keto, calorie-smart, vegan and veggie options, and more. Some personal favorites of ours so far have been the garlic mushroom chicken thighs and the Indian butter tofu. These are restaurant-quality meals ready in just two minutes. No prep, no mess. It's the perfect easy button solution for busy side hustlers and couples. And it's not just dinner either. Factor has nutrient-packed snacks, smoothies, breakfasts, and more. And hey, plans change, which is why you can scale up or down your meals or pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Head to factormeals.com slash sidehustle50 and use code sidehustle50 to get 50% off your first box and two free wellness shots per box while your subscription is active. That's code sidehustle50 at factormeals.com slash sidehustle50 to get 50% off your first box and two free wellness shots per box while subscription is active. Big thanks to Factor for sponsoring the show.